Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another post-game show here on the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight. At Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Today we'll be breaking down the Falcons' loss in Week 12 to the Washington Commanders, a game that was probably infuriating for anyone who watched it live. Certainly was for me. Uh, a lot of mistakes in this game coaching mistakes, player mistakes, special teams mistakes. Uh, and on a day where the defense once again held an opponent under 20 points, the Falcons couldn't even muster that amount on offense. Uh, only 13 points on the day for the Falcons offense, which I believe is their lowest point total this season. Um, just an embarrassing day altogether, uh, by the offense, the rushing game actually pretty darn good. Um, so don't want to, you know, crap on those guys too much. Uh, the, the run game, I think performed very well against what is honestly one of the NFL's best run defenses in the Washington, but the passing game was just so incredibly inconsistent and the pass protection, of course, once again struggled. And then once the Falcons had a chance to win this game, they ended up, of course, blowing it with a uh, just really bad play call decision by Arthur Smith uh, inside the four yard line. And we're going to get to that first. We'll also get to some other stuff in this game. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to crap on any players in particular, but uh, we've got to talk about Audio Gandeji. That was a potentially game, you know, losing special teams penalty. Uh, we got to talk about Marcus Mariota, who didn't necessarily have the worst game statistically, but had a bad game as a passer. Uh, just way too many off target throws, to say the least, um, in this game. And, you know, on a day that the Falcons outgained the commanders uh they actually outpassed the commanders as well which is hilarious considering this passing game um but they just didn't get it done when they needed to uh they they could have easily won this game should have uh but did not manage to get it done um Marcus Mariota 15 of 25 474 yards one touchdown and one INT again on paper not the worst game, certainly, of Mariota's uh, career in Atlanta. Uh, then we also had nearly three Falcons rushers, uh, each with almost 50 yards. Algier, 11 carries for 54 yards. Coral Patterson, 11 carries for 52 yards. And then Marcus Mariota had a much better day on the ground this week, so that's certainly something that was improved. Uh, six for 49, uh, which is 8.2 yards per carry. And then we had Caleb Huntley get just one touch, uh, in the run game, and he turned it into one carry for 12 yards, which was obviously good. Um, 
also should point out Lamine Zacchaeus had a great game, uh, five for 91, uh, his best game of the season. I think just a great day from him and should have had more if, if the ball was on target, let's be honest. Um, you know, Drake London, only two catches, uh, and one of those he had to pick up off the turf because the ball was so underthrown. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be criticizing Marcus Mariota today. So if you're a big Marcus Mariota stand and you can't handle that, uh, you know, you might want to tune on, tune out now. I do appreciate you tuning in to start the show. Uh, and I would still appreciate you liking and subscribing, but you know, he, he's not innocent in this one. However, before, right off the top, that last, that interception at the end of the game, that was not necessarily Mariota's fault. I didn't, I don't like the play call there. I think that's a bad situation. I, I don't, I think if that ball's not tipped, it's probably a touchdown. So, um, I don't think it was necessarily the worst read or the worst throw. And that's why they didn't, you know, that, that play is not Mariota's fault, but there were plenty of other plays that were. So that, um, that was uh, a big issue there, but the big issue, uh, right off the bat, and it's always too easy to just distill anything down to one thing. Um, and I do think that Arthur Smith actually called a pretty decent game for much of this game. Uh, I didn't like all the runs up the middle when they were so clearly not performing well. I think they this team was playing a lot, was doing much better running outside. So I don't even know why you bother trying to keep pun- punching it up the middle. But um, that that final play call, uh, the Falcons throwing it. I think it was second and goal from the four yard line, about give or take. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense for the situation. I get that you just want to score a touchdown. Like you want to, the, the, your first priority there is you actually have to take the lead. So that that's part of it, right? Um, the second thing that you have to do is burn clock if you can, um, because you don't want to give Washington any time to kick a field goal because you, if you don't, you know, you're going to just kick the extra point to get the one point lead. And you need to try to burn as much clock as you can, any clock that you can, especially when they don't have a timeout. So I just don't understand the idea behind throwing on second down um, when running the ball. And even if you don't get it, it's it's not a bad situation for you as long as you get closer to the goal line because you could take 40 seconds off the clock. Um, now, obviously, maybe you just score on that run play and that you know that's fine. But I think it's a safer play um, in terms of less likely to create a turnover. I think it's a better play because if you throw incomplete on second down, then you just wasted the down entirely. Um, obviously, they they called like a dump off pass. So this wasn't like a, an end zone fade or something that was a very low percentage play. This was supposed to be an easy catch, you know, that even if he went down, he was going to go down shy of the goal line if, if that ball's caught and still burn clock. So like, I don't think that the actual pass play itself there was any problem with it. Like I said, I think if that ball isn't deflected, that's probably a touchdown or, or very close to the goal line. But I disagree with with calling the pass on second down there. I, I think it's unnecessarily aggressive. I think it's I I think it it's just asking for trouble. And it's easy, of course, for me to criticize this because I'm not wearing the headset. I'm not calling the plays, but I don't really see the point to it. Um, I, I think that you're just as likely to get a touchdown running the ball. You've been running the ball extremely well. Um, and I just really fundamentally disagree uh, with that decision. I think that was one of the worst decisions Arthur Smith has made this season in terms of his play calling and um, very disappointing 
to see that be the way that this game ends. Um, I don't, I think he called a pretty good game up to that point, And I think this is only his second year as a head coach. He's been a play caller for a while, but it's his second year as a head coach. He's got growing to do. I don't think anyone thinks he's a finished product. I'm not going to bury Arthur Smith, but he deserves criticism for that play call. He will get it. Uh, and it's well-deserved. Um, I, I think that he needs to to not do that. I think he needs to try to burn clock and, and keep the ball on the ground and, and not take that kind of risk unnecessarily. I think that's the much better route to go. Uh, and I, I hope that he will learn from that. Um, it's one thing if like you're ahead, right. And, and you're just trying to pad your lead and then you're like, we just want to score a touchdown. It doesn't matter. You could do whatever you want, but I think it's just an unnecessary risk, um, that puts the ball in the air against a very good defense and in the red zone, that's very dangerous. Um, so I just completely disagree with the decision to do that. I think it was a big mistake. I'm not burying Arthur Smith for it. I'm not on like, I'm not calling for his head or anything, but I I think he deserves a lot of criticism for that play call. Um, and I hope that he'll learn from it. Um, we do have a donation coming in from Guy Fieri, AKA Solaire with the one dollar. He says, smell that. That's the smell of the fresh draft takes coming in. Finally, we're in draft take season. Hashtag start Franks also, uh, while it's a tough field goal to make, that is game number two where Ku kind of screwed us. The Chargers game is the other one. Um, I mean, I, I don't think you expect your kicker to make a 58-yard field goal. I think that's a less than 50% chance that any kicker other than maybe like Justin Tucker hits that. Uh, I think I think that uh, I, I'm hesitant to really blame Ku for that. I, I, I mean, I don't think like distance has ever really been his calling card. His, his calling card has been accuracy... Uh, less like bet- like under 55 yards that prior to this season where he struggled a little bit more, he's been pretty much money in that like 50 to 55 yards ra- range, just basically hitting every kick. Um, so I, I, I don't think he's ever a kicker that's going to be the one that's going to get you those 55 to 60 yard kicks with regularity. I think it's possible, but I don't think distance is really his game. I think Ku, his thing is that he needs to hit those easy field goals at extremely high level, which up until this season, I think he's done. And I think he will continue to do that. Like I, I'm not worried about him missing a couple kicks this year. Um, and I, I think that expecting most kickers, I would say like 90% of NFL kickers are going to have less than a 50% chance of making any 58 yard kick, much less one in the wind and rain or whatever the Falcons were dealing with in Washington. So um, I don't, you, you know, we expect Ku to be that elite guy because that's she's that good, but I'm hesitant to blame him, I guess, Solaire. So I guess I just disagree with that point, but he definitely screwed us more in some other games. But um, I think that uh, in general, it's, you know, 55 or less, I think Ku is generally reliable. And, and uh, I think above 55, it's just, um, it's a tough situation. But um, you know, if he keeps missing easy kicks, like he, he's missed a handful over the last couple games, um, that's more concerning, but uh, I'm not there yet with being concerned about Ku. Every kickers, you know, kickers go through lulls, go through little struggle periods. So, I mean, it's, it's unreasonable to expect these guys to, to be always great all the time. I know we've come to expect that from Ku and Matt Bryant. We've been just really spoiled by kickers in general. Um, but it happens, and I think the Falcons still have an extremely reliable, good kicking game, so I'm not too concerned about that going forward. Um, 
if that kick was like nowhere like near close to being complete i would have been a little bit more concerned but it was on target just a little bit short and you know maybe we could blame the weather or whatever but um you know i don't think you're like calling for his head or anything but i i I, and i recognize you you know it's a tough field goal but yeah i'm not gonna get on coup for this game um I mean, even if Koo hits his field goal, the fact that they're still down three and you're, you're trying to tie it at the end. And, and, they're, and like, let's be honest, they're not kicking a field goal there. They're going for that touchdown. And why wouldn't they? They're still throwing that pick. So, um, you know, obviously you have a bigger lead, you know, the potential to go up four and, and you know, all that stuff. But um, I don't think that field goal really changes anything in this game, to be completely honest. Um, Andre Fuller with the $5. What's up, Andre? He says, I know Marcus is starting on a promise from Arthur Smith, but it's time to move on. Forget the playoffs. Hard to see a scenario where Ritter cannot replicate what we're seeing now at the very least. Meanwhile, Arthur not helping things with his play calling. I I think they should start Ritter next week. Um, and it's not because Mariota had just like a totally awful game today or anything, but I mean, I... And like, I yeah, I know everyone's saying the Bucks just lost, and that's hilarious also. Uh, they lost in overtime, I believe. So like... Mariota's going to be starting next week because of that. Um, so that the Bucks losing games that they should win um, is going to give the Falcons a chance. Like if the Bucks continue to implode and be this 500 or worse team, then anything can happen for the Falcons. But um, they really needed to win this game and the next game. Um, but if, since the Bucks lost this week, if they just win against the Steelers then maybe it's okay, you know, especially if the Bucks lose again. Because the Bucks have a couple of difficult games left. Like, they have to play the Bengals. They have to play the 49ers. Um, they have to play some more NFC South opponents. So it's not that the Bucks are going to be able to just waltz into, you know, winning their next five games and taking the division. So it's complicated. I, I do think this loss makes it much harder for the Falcons to have a chance to, to, to catch the Bucs. Um, but again... It depends on both what Atlanta does and what the Bucks do. Because if the Bucks start winning, which before this week, it looked like they were going to start putting it together a little bit. They obviously didn't. Um, and that gives the Falcons more room, for, like wiggle room, uh, certainly. But at the end of the day, the Falcons have to start winning games. Um, and they have to beat the Steelers next week. That's probably the easiest game left on their schedule. And they probably have to at least find ways to beat the Cardinals. Uh, and then you know, probably the Saints as well. Um, they're probably not going to beat the Ravens. I agree with you, Corey Carter, on that. Um, and I, this all also is contingent on the Falcons being able to beat the Bucks in Week 18, which is a really bad matchup for Atlanta because Atlanta sucks at defending the pass and the Bucks are just going to air it out. I think they're passing at the highest rate of, like, any team. So, like, the Falcons, like, let's be honest, they probably should have beat the Bucks before, but... The Falcons are losing defensive linemen every single week. Arnold Ebicady had to leave this game. His arm was heavily wrapped. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, we don't know anything about the severity of that injury. But if Arnold Ebicady's out, then you're down that guy. You're already down multiple defensive line starters. Like, I just... They're losing guys every single week. They're not replacing them. The secondary is playing better, of course, with A.J. Terrell back. I think Darren Hall's been okay in coverage. Obviously, as a tackler, they're leaving a lot to be desired out there. Um, so like the secondary, they've been okay since AJ Terrell has come back, but there's no pass rush. And we're seeing that the Falcons run defense is becoming a liability as well. So they've been better stopping the run than stopping the pass, but that's not really saying a lot. Um, and AJ, we don't know anything about Casey Hayward's injury. They've said basically nothing about it, uh, other than that he had surgery. So I would expect Casey Hayward to be out for the year, but maybe at some point he could come back. I'm not sure. 
Um, so it's just a really difficult situation for the Falcons. Uh, they really needed to clean up these three games. And like, I, I recognize that the commanders, this was a much tougher game than it appeared going into the season. Um, but now this is probably like the team you were going to be fighting with for a wild card spot. If that ended up happening now, you've lost the head to head tiebreaker there. So that's one Avenue that's cut off. You do still have head to head wins over the Seahawks and the 49ers, one of those team, two teams is probably going to be in the wildcard race too. So if you happen to tie those teams, you still have a shot maybe uh, of, of getting in with a tie with those guys. Um, it's just the paths keep narrowing with every loss. Like if they lose another game, now we're talking about probably having to win out like to, to catch the Bucks because even with the Bucks losing to the Falcons are still a game behind. Um, well, I guess it's technically half a game, but you know, the Falcons have to beat the Bucks in week 18 for any of this to matter. Because if they lose to the Bucks in week 18, they'll lose the head-to-head tiebreaker altogether. And then it doesn't matter anything else that's going on there. Um, just very, it's very dicey. So that's why I'm pessimistic about the playoff chance, chances at this point. You're two games under 500 and you got five games left. Um, and you got to play the Ravens. So that's probably going to be an L. Um, so you really, I think... You could afford one more loss out of the next five games. You could probably take one loss. That's it. And that's a very, very small margin for error for this team, which has basically shown that they can lose to anybody or beat anybody. So, I mean, that that part's nice, but they have to... No more crap. Like, no more bullshit. No more blowing games like this. There's no more chances. There's no more room for error. Um, You have to go into Baltimore being able to lose that game. Full stop. Um, so to do that, that means you got to beat the Steelers this week, who that defense is much better with TJ Watt back. That's sort of a given, but it's not a pushover anymore because of TJ Watt, who's like one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So they have to beat, they have to win that game. First of all, they should be favored and they, they will be, I think, but it's a tough game. Uh, next you got to beat the saints in new Orleans. That's never something you can depend on. It's going to be hard. Yeah. You should have kicked their ass in week one, but you didn't. So uh, you got to win that. You got to beat the Cardinals and you got to beat the Bucks. So this is a tall order. Like this is why I'm saying probably not going to happen. So I would set your expectations for maybe they'll be close to, to being relevant at the end of this. Um, and maybe they'll even be able to get a winning record when it's all said and done. But playoffs is going to be very hard unless the Bucks collapse, which maybe they could, you know, there's always a chance. But um, if the Bucks start winning... Like, I, I expect the Bucks to lose two more games against the Bengals and against the 49ers. So if they lose those two games, the Bucks will be, you know, essentially looking at eight losses. Um, so the Falcons need to be going into the, the Tampa Bay game no worse than nine losses because you have to be able to at least tie them. And I and almost certainly the Bucks will finish with a better and it, like South record than the Falcons. The Falcons are already one and three in the NFC South. So unless the Falcons win out the rest of the way, they're not getting better than three and three. The Bucks, I believe, are two and one in the NFC South. So, you know, it's possible like that could be another if the Bucks fall apart and lose, you know, a couple more NFC South games, then you still have that route. But again, this is what I'm trying to tell people is like this is very narrow path we're walking here. Like we're depending on the Bucks to lose bunch of nfc south games we're depending on them losing at least two more games in general and if they do that then sure there's a chance but i i don't want people calling me a debbie downer for saying the falcons are gonna have a really tough time making the playoffs when we're talking about like 
all these things lining up for Atlanta to have a chance, and they really haven't shown an ability to win more than two games at a time. So they're going to have to win, you know, three in a row, four in a row, uh, or four out of five essentially going forward, and I'm just not sure that that's in the cards. I do think they'll win one to two more games. Um, I think they probably they should beat the Steelers, and they should beat the Cardinals, and I think that's, that's what you should expect to see, and anything more than that... Um, you know, we'll see. I think they would have. They should have a good chance to beat the Saints, who they should have beat already. And then you never know what will happen against the Bucks late, you know. But the Bucks have basically kicked the Falcons' asses ever since Tom Brady got there. So um, I wouldn't expect much from that either. But yeah. Um, so I, at this point, um, I, I'm expecting... I'm not expecting Ritter to get put in because the the coaching staff's still going to think that they're they're in the hunt and Mariota hasn't played bad enough to deserve getting benched. But I think if you lose to the Steelers, he ha- Ritter has to play um, starting after the bye. And if he's not, then I I don't know what the fuck is going on because you I don't get it at that point. Like if they don't go to Ritter after the bye week, we should not expect anything from Desmond Ritter going forward. Like they have no faith in him to even start uh, when the season's essentially over. So. It's not great. It's not great. Um, Jason Gaines with the $2. What's up, Jason? He says, disappointing loss today. At least the Bucks lost as well. Bill Parcells once talked about not having stupid players on his teams. Okandiji is an idiot for running into the punter on fourth and two. That's a major lack of situational awareness and game over. Yeah, you can't run into the punter. Ever. Um, you can't. Uh, you, I mean, if it's fourth and ten, that's one thing. You can afford to be a little bit more aggressive with your block. But in that situation, you can't afford to touch him. So... Um, you know, the Falcons were going all out for the block and that's nice and all that, but you, you can't do that. So that, that obviously was a huge error by Ogundeji and we'll, we'll get to Ogundeji a little bit more here. Um, Andre Fuller with another question at the $3. Thanks, Andre. He says, uh, relying on the running is a good strategy, obviously with the running, the yards per game stats, but what's with Drake London's low targets per game? When Arthur does select a pass, a pass play more often than not, it's to a rotational player. I know he can scheme the best players open. Yeah, Andre, I think part of it is the same thing that we were seeing with Kyle Pitts last year, um, which is that the Falcons, when they don't have a legitimate like secondary option, the defense is key on the best player in the passing game. It's something we should expect from quality defenses. And the Falcons now, without Kyle Pitts, they only have one real big threat, and that's Drake London, and he's going to get a lot of attention. Now, I, I would have to go back and watch the All-22 to see if he was getting doubled or what was going on, but... Um, Generally, that I would expect Washington, like that Washington was shading coverage to him. That Washington was trying to drop defenders in front of him, trying to bait throws to London, and and I think Morita was probably just taking what the defense gave him, which was hitting other guys for for chunk yards that were left uncovered. And I think Alameda Zacchaeus has proven that he is a capable uh, wide receiver three, wide receiver two, even. Um, like this is a guy that's basically always been able to produce when he's targeted. And I think Ogun D or I think, Ogundi, or I think uh, Alameda is, is a legit threat. And I think he needs to be resigned. This is a guy I think that they want. Um, but uh, I, I think that at the end of the day, um, it's, it's difficult to really get any receiver heavily involved with how inconsistent the passing game is. It's not high volume to begin with. Like they threw 25 passes today, which is far more than they usually throw. But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, 
it's bad. The passing game is bad. Um, Mariota is not a good passer, and and Mariota is so frustrating because you see you see it on so many throws, right? You see him do some really great stuff, like that that miracle throw he got off while while being knocked off uh, his spot, like being almost sacked. Like that's incredible. That's an incredible play. Great play by Mariota. You see how talented he is on the ground, and you see him like put put the ball in, in good spots and, and and do a lot of good things. And then you just see him miss throws that should be completely easy, acceptable throws from any NFL caliber quarterback that he just misses, that he doesn't put on target. And it's it's that is the problem with Mariota. It's not that he doesn't have the arm. It's not that he doesn't have the legs. It's not like he's not lacking any intangibles. He's not lacking anything in particular. He's just not consistent. His accuracy is bad. Um, I don't know if it's a fundamentals thing. I don't, I don't consider myself to be a quarterback expert. I don't consider myself to be a mechanics expert or be able to evaluate that type of stuff. All I know is that the ball is not on target. It's not on target enough. And I don't care about p- completion percentage. Look at his off-target. Pers- like, how many yards have the Falcons left on the field because Mariota put the ball off-target and the receiver was able to still catch it, but they had to stop or they had to come back to it or they had to flip around or they had to dive. Um, and that is a bad throw. Like, I don't care that it's complete. You... You have to get, like, the Falcons have so few yards after catch opportunities because of Mariota's inaccuracy. And then you have just the easy throws that he misses. And I know he's under pressure sometimes, and the offensive line isn't good, and yada, yada, yada. Don't get me wrong. But, like, it's not, like, he's not hitting the stuff that you have to be able to depend on your quarterback to hit 90-plus percent of the time. Every single game, you see... You see him just miss easy throws, and that's what they can't have. It's not that he does like Mariota has the upper level throws. He can hit those plays sometimes. Um, he can make a lot of plays with his feet. I think he actually does a good job under pressure and in chaos. And I think that might be his best trait, like navigating that type of stuff. But he's not a good passer. He doesn't throw with accuracy. He doesn't throw with consistency. And it's really hard to scheme an offense around that. It's really hard. The reason is that you can't depend on anything. You can't depend on the ball getting to your receivers accurately. So that changes your entire game plan. And it it keeps your offense from ever getting into a true rhythm because so often you have a, a pass play that you're calling that should be an easy pass play, like a tight end leak or a crosser or whatever, and this ball's off target, and you have an incompletion that sets up a bad third down situation because you can't hit an easy throw. That's the problem with Mariota. It's not his leadership. It's not necessarily even his decision-making. It's not his athleticism. Certainly, that's one of his plus things. It's not his play under pressure. It's that he can't hit the easy throws or any throws with consistency. He's so all over the place with his accuracy. And I'm not enough of an expert to be able to tell you if it's mechanics or if it's just the ball sailing on him or what. Like, that's going to be somebody else's thing. But the ball's not on target. And it's, you know, people are like, oh, bring up the drops. Like, sure. But every, every team has wide receivers drop balls. Like, I'm not blaming Mariota for passes that the wide receivers drop. But a lot of people were killing Alameda 
for that that pat that what could have been a big pass play that they called it a drop. You know what he had to do to even get his hands on that ball was make a leaping dive because the ball's not on target. Like the ball's not on target. Like if you have to jump in the air and make and try to make a diving catch, the ball is not on target. And that like you can try to justify that all you want. You could try to say every quarterback makes bad throws and all this. And like, no, like every quarterback misses throws. That's no one's saying that every quarterback's perfect. Go watch Patrick Mahomes. He'll miss a throw or two a game. That happens. But the issue is that the Mariota is so inconsistent with the accuracy that the ball, it's, it's not reliably put on point. And even the, a lot of the completions he does have are off target to where there's no yards after catch opportunity in an offense that's really depending uh, on that. So, yeah, and Mariota's not bad. I would say that he's he's proven that he's a, a sort of passable starter and a great backup at worst. Like, this is a guy that can absolutely keep your team afloat. He's kept the Falcons in contention. Um, but it, it, it's just, man, um, this is why we you can't have him as your starter, is that... He just doesn't the, the the passing game inconsistency is the is the big issue there. And I'm not sure at this point in his career that it can be fixed. Maybe it would. Um maybe it could be. I don't know. But it the passing game is a huge issue and you know, I and, and AJ Evans in the chat brings up a good point. Like so many people are just okay with subpar quarterback play. Um and, you know, you can't be okay with that. That's how you get the Panthers. That's how you get all these teams that are like, oh, well, we just need to bring in a veteran starter. We just need to to get, you know, by with quarterback. That's not how you win games in the NFL. That's not how you build a consistent contender. How many consistent NFL contenders have an average or worse quarterback under center? Not any. <laughs> Very few, right? You might have teams that have a flash in the pan season. You have maybe like the 49ers would be an example um, of a team that's getting by with like merely sort of average to above average quarterback play, but they're getting by because they have the NFL's best defense and like elite weapons and maybe the best offensive play caller in the NFL. You know, Arthur Smith, I think is a good play caller. I don't think he's in that elite level yet. Maybe he will be there. We're, we're still seeing this team come together, but it's just, uh, we can't be satisfied with this is at quarterback. And I'm not trying to just shit on Mariota because I think he's done an acceptable job most weeks. But the reason people are calling for Ritter is because like, this is not the future here. We know it's not the future. And, um, it, you got to see what you have. And, and like, in my opinion, the playoffs are, are just a, a very low percentage play going forward. So I would rather see what we have in Ritter Give him the whole bye week, you know, give him this week uh, as his first start, then let him be the starter the whole bye week and all this stuff so that he has extra time. He gets a start under his belt before having to go play in New Orleans, which is going to be, it would be an absolutely brutal place to throw him in for his first start. But I don't think the Falcons will do that. I think that they're going to keep going with Mariota because they think that they're still in playoff contention. And like, again, I'm not sure that this is like, you can't just really put this game on his shoulders like they lost because of him. But the passing game is is holding the offense back entirely. This team has an elite run game, uh, and they they can't and they're scoring less than twenty points a game because the passing game is completely unreliable. 
Um, he is a high-end backup, maybe, and like a bridge starter. But he's not a guy you build your offense around, and he's he's proven that, like because he can't hit the routine throws. Um, so, and again, I don't blame Mariota for that last interception. Like I know some people are trying to get on him for that. I blame the coaching staff for for calling that play. That wasn't his bad. The ball got batted at the line of scrimmage by Deron Payne, who just made a great play. That's not his fault. I blame him for the multiple, multiple off-target throws. Even a lot of the completions were off-target and eliminated any chance for yards after catch. You know, people blame Drake London for that screen drop, and that ball was low. Um, so it, it's... A lot of the, the problems come back to Mariota. They also have to do with receivers dropping passes, but every every team has drops. Uh, they also have to do with the pass protection being poor. Uh but even today, like, yeah, Mariota was under pressure, but they were facing one of the NFL's best pass rushes. So I think the offensive line, honestly, today was not that bad. Um, so I uh, I think that we know, those of us that are that are living in reality, sorry to, you know, the people that think that Mariota has a chance to be the starter next year and beyond, people that are living in reality, uh, and, like, no Kyle Pitts. Like, everyone forgets that. Like, we had no Kyle Pitts today, too. Like, that hurts the passing game, clearly. But, like, no Kyle Pitts wasn't the reason they lost this game. It was that play call. It was special teams errors. And it was just the general inconsistency of the offense only being able to score 13 points in four quarters. So, Mario is not the future here. We need to see if Ritter can be. I, I think at 5-7, and seven, your chances for the playoffs are extremely remote at best. Um... So that that's where my head goes now to the draft, to the future. I I don't blame the coaching staff necessarily for wanting to try to hold on to a playoff run because look, let's be honest, getting to the playoffs even if it's with a losing record that bolsters your job security, that bolsters your team's image, all these things. So I don't blame them for trying to potentially hold on to a playoff run, but I think at the the next game you lose to go to eight losses. You got to put in Ritter. And I would prefer it to be this week where you actually have a chance for Ritter to like, you actually have a chance for Ritter to, to potentially lead your team to the playoffs. If you wait any longer, you're just like, well, throw Ritter in there and see if he can win some meaningless games. So that, that's why I, I would, I would prefer it to be now, but I don't know if Ritter gives them a better chance to win. I don't, we haven't seen him play outside of the preseason. So Antoine, if you just want to keep bringing up a third down screen that was dropped, that was thrown behind the sticks and maybe had a chance to get a first or not, like, I, if you want to blame Drake London for Mariota's faults, go ahead. But, like, it, it, this, the passing games and aptitudes are not Drake London's fault. They're leading receiver. It's Mariota's fault. So, like, yeah, it was a drop. Um, and there were a lot of poor passes for Mariota. And Drake London is not the reason this passing game is off kilter. It's clearly Mariota. And if you think it's Drake London, you need to evaluate your biases a little bit there. Uh, because <laughs> it's not Drake London's fault that this passing game is bad. Uh, certainly. So take do with, do whatever you want with that. You know, uh, I, I recognize that, that you're a, a big Mariota fan. And that's totally fine. I like Mariota. I, I was pulling for him. I was championing him in training camp saying, wow, this guy looks way better than I thought. There's a chance that maybe he does hold on to the, to the, to the job and maybe this team can do it. 
And I've changed my opinion since then because he hasn't played well. He's been mediocre. So I have no personal issue with Mariota. I like the guy when I talked to him. I thought he did a good job in training camp, and I thought he had a strong start to the season, and that has ended. So, um, you know, I'm I'm ready to, to move on. It's nothing against Mariota personally. Um, and it's nothing against people that have a fan or that are fans of Mariota. Uh, but I think from an objective standpoint, we can, we know now that the passing game is limited because of Mariota and we need to, to go forward in a different direction. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that means that Mariota can't ever be an NFL starter. He's shown that he can be, he's just not a good one. He's a, an average quarterback at best. Um, and lots of guys have extremely long NFL careers off of that. And and he deserves to still be in the NFL and probably be a very well-paid backup going forward. But I, I think going forward with him as your starter would be a huge mistake just because of how limiting he is to your offense. Um, so I think uh, I think we need... This, this team is going towards a more balanced game plan than we had under Matt Ryan. That much is obvious, but I don't think that this is going to be this offense after this year. They want this to be a more pass heavy version of Tennessee's offense. But I think, and I think they would like to run the ball a lot as well. But right now, um, right now the Falcons are running the ball more than they're passing it. They're one of the only NFL teams to do that. Um, so they probably want to get it to more like 60% passing, 40% run, which is still, that's still somewhat run heavy. Um, you know, uh, that's still a somewhat run heavy offense. I I think that's the path they want to go. And that's why I think they drafted Kyle Pitts. And that's why they drafted Drake London. They want to have a a good passing game with some really good weapons and they want to have a good run game right now they're just trying to win games so I I think if if you're looking at what they're doing this year and sort of thinking that well Kyle Pitts and Drake London were a mistake then you know I I think maybe you're looking too much at this season as like this is what they want to do as opposed to this is what they need to do to stay in the playoff hunt um so I, I think that uh that's I think going forward they are planning not to... This is not the game plan. Like, they, they do want to run the ball effectively. And we may we may see games like that uh, where they do run the ball more, you know, against poor run defenses. But I think that uh, they want this to be a more pass-heavy offense, you know, 60-40, so still relatively run-heavy compared to the NFL as a whole. But um, it's... Uh, this is just a work in progress. The whole roster is... They have they had sixty percent of the salary cap roughly to build this team. It looks like a team that's lacking depth and lacking talent and all this stuff. And you're absolutely right; it is. Um, I think the coaching staff and the front office deserve credit for finding. Um, yeah, sports live in the ATL. You, I don't know if you've been watching the whole show, man. That was like the first thing that I opened with, uh, talking about running the ball at the two. Like that was literally the first thing I talked about the play calling there. So. Um, you you may uh you may like have missed that so sorry if you did but that was literally the first thing we covered on here was that you don't like I I didn't like that run call uh, I think that you you needed to run there 
on second down uh, and probably on third down too. But, you know, third down would have been at least a little bit more because you would have already burned off 40 seconds. So, um, I mean, I, I think you just didn't watch the beginning of the show, which is fine. Like, I know you, that you can't because, like, you know, it's live, so you can't go back and watch it until later. But that that's, uh, you know, don't just assume when you come into the show like 45 minutes in that we haven't talked about something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I we're all hoping for the best for this team. Um, so yeah, guys, don't, don't, don't beat up on, on K green. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, K is, is, is he's critical sometimes, but K, K is a good guy. Yeah. Like, like I, I know everybody's entitled to their opinion. Let's, let's be friendly here. It's all right. Um, you know, K, K watches this show every single week. So I, I he's perfectly fine if he disagrees with me. I try to make it clear uh, what I'm talking about. You know, he, I don't think like like K is is uh, criticizing me, guys. Um, K's K's a good dude. So don't 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 hate on K. I think you might be misunderstanding who he's who he's trying to go for. Um, but yeah, I uh, I appreciate all the discussion. Honestly, like if you guys disagree, that's totally fine. Like I try to make it clear when I'm when I'm like. Uh, talking about stuff that I'm not an expert in. Like I would consider myself close to an expert in defensive line play. That's, that's always been my thing. I've, that's what I've scouted the most. That's what I went to scouting Academy and studied. Um, so defensive line play, I'll, I'll say it that I'm probably close to an expert on that, but, um, you know, quarterback play, like I watch a lot of quarterback play. I evaluate it. I write about it, but, um, it's, you know, it's very difficult. Like, you know, when you, when you go, if you've, anyone's ever done the, uh, the scanning Academy stuff, like they warn people that quarterback takes twice as long to learn because it's the most complicated position. That's why, um, that's why, you know, nobody, like, it's so hard to get right. Like in the NFL, that's why so many teams struggle with it. Uh, it's very difficult. There's a lot that goes into it. And even if you scout the mechanics, you scout the arm strength, you scout everything, mentally is the other side of the equation and it's so hard to get that information unless you're literally going and talking to these guys and um it's uh and and the one thing I'll tell people that about football in general especially scouting is that it's much more subjective than anyone will ever admit um we all talk about things with certainty and like I give a lot of takes so I try to you know give firm takes uh, but like, I don't pretend that my takes are all going to be right. And that's sort of the nature of the business is a lot of the things I say will be wrong. Sometimes like minutes after I tweet something, it'll be wrong. So like that, you know, it's, it's totally fine that that's what happens in this business, but in scouting in quarterback play and everything else, a lot of this stuff is subjective. That's part of why it's so fun to talk about, right? Um, is that we actually don't know exactly what's going to happen. That's why it's so exciting. Um, even in a game where you could have huge, like the, the Washington game a couple weeks ago where they beat the Eagles. Huge favorites. Washington goes in and stuns them, you know, basically breaking everyone's expectations and all this stuff. Um, so it's it's much more subjective than anyone will ever admit. So just try to have fun. And sure, throw some takes out there. But don't be upset if your takes are wrong. And don't be upset if someone else calls your takes wrong. Because, like, it's more often than not, you are going to be wrong. And then the other people will be wrong. And it's going to be a whole circle of wrongness. But it's all for fun. We're doing this to entertain. Um, I'm not a coach. Like, I'm not on that staff. I try to be respectful of the coaches and the players. Because they're the ones whose jobs and, 
and uh, you know, salaries and livelihoods are on the line, whether this stuff goes right or not for me, you know, whether they lose or not, I'm still going to be here. Um, possibly, you know, my mental health may be in jeopardy, but uh, that's sort of how it is with <laughs> this team. But um, try to enjoy what you can and, and try to not take things personally. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of Mariota stands out there that are getting really upset that he's getting all this criticism and y'all, you gotta, gotta chill out. Like no one's out to get Mariota. Nobody hates Mariota. Uh, they just want to see better quarterback play and that's fair. Um, you know, so it's just, uh, it's complicated. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, but try not to take things personally. Try to just enjoy what you can to this team because the wins, we've had five of them. I think I'm hoping we'll have a couple more, maybe. Um, but the future is where we need to focus. Um, and and the next loss will probably be making it official. Of course, the Bucks could always continue to implode, right? So, um, yeah. All right, we got Andre Fuller with one last donation. Uh, thanks again, Andre, with the $3. He says, with the tip pass and Arthur's decisions, there's no point in a pass between the hashes in the red zone. Space is limited in the middle. If anything, run that ball through the B-gap, then follow up with a bootleg. He does exactly that between the 20s. Yeah, I mean, Andre, I, I agree. And, you know, we covered this early. Like, I, I, I don't love that play. I think in a neutral situation, that's not a game-ending time, like, situation where you're trying to burn clock. I don't hate that play because teams are often going to sell out to stop the run against the Falcons down there because they are so effective at doing that. It could potentially open up a path for those passing plays to work. We've seen the tight end leaks be really effective down there. I don't necessarily hate passing in general. I think in this particular situation, it was a really bad call for all the things that we mentioned, right? You you would like to burn clock. It's risky to throw the ball and you're not going to get another chance if you turn this over. Like now they should have gotten another chance. Funny enough, they blew it with special teams, but like, uh, so the play call was a bad decision. Um, and like, I think everything you mentioned in your, in your comment was true. I think in that game situation, it was a really bad call and, and we've criticized Arthur Smith for it. And he deserves the criticism for it. Um, hopefully he'll learn from that, especially in that situation. Um, you know, I, I, if, if that ball's not tipped, it, it could be a touchdown or it could be okay. But you know, for all the things you mentioned, it ended up being a bad decision. Um, so we'll, you know, we just hope he learns from it because uh, I, I really don't think Arthur Smith is going anywhere anytime soon. And I, I do think that he's going to be a good offensive coach for this team, the one they've lacked for a while. Because even in this game, you you uh, you saw the good of Arthur Smith with some really nice play calls to get his guys in space and doing some good things. Um, you also saw the bad, which is that in game management sort of stuff, he's still not great. Still not great. So uh, he's a second-year head coach. Hopefully, he learns from this. I mean, you've got coaches that have been head coach in the NFL for 10, 15 years and still suck at game management. So, like, hopefully we can, hopefully we can see, uh, hopefully we can see Arthur Smith improve there. And we got one last thing from Koshida with the three dollars. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, he says this team has lost so many players due to injuries this season and still has it completely fallen apart. People forget that the Falcons are far from a finished product. Team is heading in the right direction. Greetings from Germany. Love your work. What's up? Uh, I appreciate the Germany shout out. It must be late over there at this. Point. Well, I don't know if it's early or late. I don't know how the time zones exactly work. I always get it mixed up, but thank you for tuning in, man. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, guys, uh, it's, tough game really frustrating watch of course um but we move on uh and we we hope 
for the best for this team. I hope we see Ritter. I seriously doubt it'll be this week, but maybe a tiny chance. Maybe a tiny chance, right? Um, but, you know, they, they have absolutely have to win that game against the Steelers if you want to even pretend uh, that, that they have a chance at the playoffs here. Um, so we... Uh, we will go forward with that, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching tonight, hanging out after a tough game. Uh, please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate that. All those metrics help us out. We're real close to 5,000 subscribers now, so we'll probably do something special when we hit that target. Uh, also, if you're listening to the audio, be sure to leave us a five-star review. We appreciate all you podcast listeners as well. And if you're interested in catching these shows live, you could do so on YouTube. Uh we have the show coming on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, the post-game shows will also have some more pods coming this week, possibly even a draft-related one. I did promise a mock draft the next time they lost, so you'll be getting one very soon. Um, and big shout-out also to Kevin Dog for uh, re-upping on Patreon. I know he had to step away for a few months, uh, but welcome back to the other Kevin uh, on Patreon. Uh, welcome back, K-Dog, and uh, happy to have you back, man. Thanks. Um, yeah, guys, again, thank you so much. And, uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in all the comments. Even if you disagree with me, that's fine. Um, and, uh, we will continue to break down this team and, and, and see how they, they handle the end of this season. It's still got some, some variability. Uh, I mean, we could be flirting for the playoffs or flirting for a top eight ish pick still, uh, at this point, depending on how other teams play. So we have a lot, there's a lot of ways this season could go. Uh, but, uh, Hey, this team kept the draft takes out until December. That's all I could have possibly hoped for at this point. So good on them. Uh, and we will continue to evaluate this season and then look forward to next off season, which let's be honest, should be one of the funnest, should be one of the most interesting off seasons in the last five years. I would say for this team, uh, that they've got a lot of cap space. They've got a lot of draft capital and they're going to have to do something with it because, the patience is over after this season, right? Um, these two years, we expected it to be rebuilds. We expected it to be slow. Next year, that is gone. Like, there is going to be an expectation next year that you got to start winning. So, we will go from there. Um, thanks again, guys, for watching, for hanging out. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Again, I am Kevin at Falcoholic Kevin. Make sure... To check out the site, thefalcoholic.com, for all that great written content. And if you're so inclined, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. If you'd like to support us on a monthly basis, we really appreciate that as well, guys. Thanks so much. We will be back uh, later this week uh, to talk more about the Falcons, of course, and other issues concerning the Falcons, including perhaps the draft. So... Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night, folks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.